The following program is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. This is Take 4 Wrestling with your hosts, Brian Kilby and J.T. Hogg. You're listening to Take 4 Wrestling, episode 21. I am Brian Kilby. And with me, I have the new standard of wrestling and podcasting excellence. The icon, the man, the myth, the legend, the greatest professional wrestler named J.T. Hogg who has ever lived. J.T. Hogg. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? I wore, your shirt, I wore your shirt again this weekend. I felt powerful wearing it, to be honest. Oh, you did? Where'd you wear it at? Uh, Just t- out and about? Tennessee. Oh, anybody uh, come up to you and ask where you got that wonderful shirt at? I got I got hit in the back of the head, So, uh, and somebody uh, pinned me um, after a cheap shot from behind. But that might have been one of my rivals. Probably. There was no ref to count, though, so they ran away. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't get a good look at him. That's what usually happens when you get pro-harbored. Oh, is that what is that the insider term for that? Well, that's what Gorilla called it. Really? Oh man! <laughs> oh, yeah. now like, I probably you, shouldn't. You couldn't use that now, but uh, Gorilla Gorilla Monsoon could say whatever he wanted to. That's true. Yeah, I think Pearl Harbor would probably actually be a uh, unpolitically correct thing now. Yeah, it probably would. Uh, this week on the show, we're talking about Monday Night Raw uh, from January thirty first, two thousand, which is almost seventeen years ago. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. We are definitely getting old. Oh my god, that makes me feel old because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Uh, this 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 episode of Raw is the debut of the Radicals, which of course uh, were the uh, XWCW folks. Uh, Perry Saturn, uh, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and uh, Dean Malenko. And I, made, I was thinking about it, of course, because I just reread The Death of WCW, which is an awesome book. And it this seemed like a uh, pit, uh, pivotal moment in the WCW versus WWF feud. And I, I thought it'd be uh, worth talking about. But before we go to that, let's talk about our gimmick of the week. JT, what's our gimmick this week? This week, we're focusing on Akeem, the African dream. That is so awesome. I want to dress as Akeem for, for Halloween. It's either, <laughs> it's either going to be Akeem or one of the, um, oh goodness, uh, what are they called? The Warlords from Ring of Honor. Are you, fam- are you familiar with those guys? Oh, the, uh, uh, no, I think I've seen their picture before, like the Barbarians. Yeah, or- yeah, they're pretty awesome. I would go with Akeem. More people <laughs> might know who that is. <laughs> and you get to dance and jive. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. Got the hand motion going over and over again. I could do that. Uh, he was uh, probably, I don't know if he was well more well-known as One Man Gang or Akeem. I know him more as Akeem. But, um, of course, he started out, his real name is uh, George Gray. Um, he's a big six-foot-nine man, 450 pounds. And uh, he basically started as the one-man gang, came into the World Wrestling Federation, and uh, wrestled uh, quite a bit. Um, had a lot of, uh, big matches, uh, wrestled Hulk Hogan a few times and, uh, Randy Savage. Um, but, uh, for some reason they had a little change for him in 1988. Uh, at the time, one man gang's manager, slick or machine. Sorry. I said word War machine. War machine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to, sorry to break your mojo, but, uh, yeah. oh, that's all right. Yeah. So they, they, ch- they changed him up. Yep. Uh, he was, uh, being managed by Slick uh, as the one-man gang. The Dr. Styles. That's right. Oh, gosh. I wish I was managed by uh, Slick. 
one of my uh, favorite theme songs. Yeah. And uh, this gimmick pretty much has uh, non-political uh, correctness all over it. Um, they announced that the gang was actually from Africa, and they uh, planned to. Uh, he planned to re-embrace his roots, and uh, so they they went to. Uh, they had a little video where Gene Okerlund and Slick went to the American ghetto that was dubbed the deepest, deepest, darkest parts of Africa, where uh, all these. Um, Dancers were dressed up in like tribal garb and were chanting around a fire. And then um, Slick announced that One Man Gang was now Akeem, the African Dream. So I didn't remember. I didn't remember that. So they actually literally changed One Man Gang to Akeem. They didn't try to reintroduce him, uh, repackage him. Uh, It it was almost like a voodoo voodoo ceremony. Oh, my God. I don't remember (laughs) that. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a good watch on uh, YouTube if you can find it. I'm pretty sure it's on there. But um, it was I don't know what's what what's that other thing? Uh, when you become a man in the Jewish culture, a brisk. Yeah, it's kind of like that. You know, like you reemerge and reintroduce yourself to the world. And uh, bar mitzvah. I'm not, I'm not Jewish. Mitzvah. I think the brisk is the where they cut the. Oh the yeah, thing. yeah. Um, but yeah, they uh they didn't try to hide that he was one man gang because Okerlund even said he was like that's not Akeem, that's the one man gang, and um obviously this uh, drew some criticism because uh, Akeem um, spoke uh, with a extremely stereotypical black accent and uh, danced around uh, why the uh, African ritual took place. <laughs> um, some people said that he was a uh, almost like a rib on uh, Dusty Roads. Because he was the African dream instead of the American dream, and he oh, that's did the interesting. Gestures and um, he was always an interesting uh, promo too. He's like, I see brothers and sisters, Akeem is here, and uh, so that was that was kind of like Dusty Rhodes. What's more offensive, that or Kamala? Hmm, that'd be interesting. I don't know. We'd have to uh, might have to ask around to see who would be more offensive. But um, Akeem then ended up uh, he teamed up with the Big Boss Man to form. The tag team known as the Twin Towers. Oh yeah, and uh, the Twin Towers actually they never held the uh, WWF tag team titles, but they got some uh, pretty big rubs by wrestling like the Mega Powers, uh, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, and I think they even beat them at one point. Um, but I was actually just what actually brought up Akeem as our gimmick of the week was I was watching an old uh, Akeem squash match like I do from time to time. And uh, they had a promo with uh, the emerging Samba Simba. Samba and Simba. Do you remember him? No. <laughs> That's when they they reintroduced Tony Atlas as a uh, kind of like an African uh, tribal warrior and uh, had him wear the headdress and came out to the tribal music and he had like the staff and he danced around. And uh, of course, everybody knew he was Tony Atlas because uh, Tony Atlas was a pretty big name. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit. But uh, they were they were feuding over who the real African was. Oh my god! <laughs> and I don't think either one of them had been to Africa. So, well, I think uh, probably Tony Atlas probably has a little bit more claim to that. But uh, he, yeah, he was uh, he was actually he got a lot of uh, complaints too. Samba Simba did. Um, but Tony Atlas that uh, he credits that for saving his life. That uh, Samba Simba run because he was doing pretty bad at that moment. Um, he was, he said he didn't have $5 and, uh, he didn't have $5 anywhere. So he was pretty broke at that time. And I think he was, 
uh, battling addiction at the time, but that's, he's, he always credits that with saving his life. So it was worth it. Um, but, uh, Akeem, uh, he had a pretty, pretty lengthy run in WWF and, um, his, uh, really his last hurrah was in the, uh, late 1990s when big boss man turned face and, uh, they feuded, but, uh, he left shortly after that. He, uh, reemerged in WCW a few times and, uh, he still, I think wrestles, um, on the independent circuit to this day. Really? That's interesting. I guess he's not yeah. that old. Yeah. He's, uh, like, I think he's like 56. Yeah. Okay. He's not like, he's not like Jimmy Valiant. No, Jimmy Valiant's still going strong too. Yeah, he sure is. But uh, unfortunately, Akeem um, just lost his house. Oh no! I think uh, what's that? In a hur- wasn't there a hurricane? Oh, oh it was the flooding in uh, Baton Rouge. Oh, I could. I didn't remember that it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he, unfortunately, he didn't uh, have insurance to cover the damage. And uh, I think I put up on my uh, JT Hog page. Uh, it was a GoFundMe for him. So uh, I don't know if it's still active. But um, if anybody wants to uh, donate to him, I'm sure he'd be love to have it. He yeah. was uh, it was a very memorable gimmick. I love the the hat and the big uh, yellow uh, whatever they call that thing he wore, almost like a poncho. And then a dashiki, the... I guess. Dashiki, that's it's, what it it's is. It's like a dashiki. It's like a <laughs> it's like a six XL dashiki. And he had some of the coolest music. Uh, Slick's music was awesome. Jive Soul Bro. And uh, I used to listen to that all the time because I had that uh, the tape of the Piledriver album, mm-hmm. and I would listen to that over and over again. I still sing it like from time to time when I'm like walking around. So, but that that's Akeem, the African Dream. Nice, very nice. Okay, well, <laughs> from Akeem, we go to something a little bit different: uh, the Radicals. Uh, Monday Night Raw, January thirty first, two thousand. I thought it was 2001 uh, earlier today, but no, it was it was a whole year before that, so which is crazy. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that was in seemed like that was lo- later than 2000. Yeah, to me, w- WCW was dead, dead in the water in 2001. So it, it really, it really wasn't, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I, I went to that pay per view where uh, Chris Benoit beat Sid Vicious for the title, like it was all their last nights. Um, cause I was in, it was a, uh, WCW uncensored and it was in Cincinnati. Yeah. And, and they ended it with, uh, said, uh, when he got penned, uh, or he was in the crossface or whatever it was, he had his leg under the rope and the ref didn't catch it. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a very good pay-per-view. No, that was very boring to watch and be there live. No. And I ended up, I bought tickets from a scalper. So it was like 50 or 60 bucks. Wow. Um, it's amazing. You had to buy, get, get them from a scalper for that at that point. Yeah, that's odd now that I think about it. Yeah, I wonder see- why I just didn't buy them. Uh, maybe you didn't know better. <laughs> I might not have. I was only, what, 2000? I was like 20. You see the so. you see the uh, scalpers before you get to the ticket stand, so. <laughs> that could be. You're probably like, man, I'm sitting I better, there buying from a- <laughs> I, better buy, I better buy these tickets because they're, they're sold out. No, they're not. <laughs> they're like, actually, we're giving them away. Um, <laughs> actually, what me, uh, I was talking to my friend Jason today, and uh, we were talking about the uh, Monday Night Raw that they tried to rebrand uh, part of it as a, a WCW uh, show, and I'd forgotten all about it. So at some point in the future, I'd like to watch that. Oh, yeah, and they had the, uh, was that Bagwell and uh, Booker T? Yeah. Okay. And Arn was going to do color commentary. 
Yeah, it was Arn Anderson and Scott Hudson. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, <laughs> I'd like to watch that at some point. I'm, I'm amazed that you remember it. I do not. I blocked it out. I have a pretty good uh, wrestling memory. You do. I don't. I, I wish I. I think I probably should forget some of the stuff, but. Uh, my buddy uh, Chris Triplett, he does too, and uh, we'll talk about stuff. And he he has like uh, for the stuff that he watched, he has a pretty photographic memory of all that stuff, and I, I'm amazed by it. Yeah, I can't remember uh, doctor's appointments or when I have to be at work, but I can tell you what happened in WCW in like 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about this show. Um, so I we watched a Raw recently, and this felt totally different but that was a vince russo production this was not was it, vince russo already gone oh at yeah this point? vince russo is oh that's right yes wcw at this point uh this this show felt much better put together than that uh, episode of raw we that we watched um and even though i mean even though uh, russo stuff um he was edited by vince this was way less when well, i say it was way less sexualized i mean they did have that uh that snow bunnies match but it was still it still felt better (laughs) it still didn't feel as bad as that other that uh corporate ministry or whatever episode of raw that was we watched that was surprisingly bad it was it was really bad this was um, just this was okay i have to reevaluate my life after rewatching the attitude era i think yeah uh but this started off with a match not like a 45 minute promo, but it started basically started off with a match. Uh, it was the New Age Outlaws versus Steve Blackman and Al Snow. Head cheese. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool uh, when the radicals uh, were out there and Al greeted them with uh, open arms. And that was just nice to see. Yeah. Al Snow, he's a cool guy. I've uh, got to work him twice in my career. And uh, he's he's a lot of fun to work with. He's a pretty funny guy. He, uh, I, uh, thought I uh, potatoed him, and I was a little worried that he was going to take me out, but uh, he was nice about it. So Here's a bit of trivia. Um, I am probably the only person on Earth who actually liked his Leaf Cassidy character. <laughs> From the New Rockers. Yeah. That uh, good old Al Snow when he was Leaf Cassidy. Leaf Cassidy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, but this match uh, wasn't too bad. I've, yeah, seen, I've, seen, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah, uh Road Dog and Billy Gunn, I think this was definitely on their downswing yeah. um, of popularity. Um, I noticed that pretty much everybody had a sign in the crowd. It was a, <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting time. And, and uh, of course, Steve Blackman and Al Snow were doing the We Need More Charisma gimmick uh, with um, Al Snow coming up with all these crazy different names. Was it Head Cheese? And what was the other one? I, do, uh, I don't remember. Something like blue balls or something, wasn't it? One, yeah. One thing I found interesting uh, in commentary, uh, Jim Ross mentioned that uh, the radicals came from the Turner organization and were not yeah. under contract, and it was radical of them to do such a radical thing. So they're already <laughs> laying the seeds. It's funny they didn't have they didn't they weren't under contract, but when they uh, came out, they had theme music. So that was that was something. But I just a, an interesting note. Of course, they pointed out that they had come from Turner and that they were not under contract. They didn't say they didn't pretend that they were actually coming from Turner to attack the WWF like uh, Bischoff had implied with the outsiders. 
Because, of course, the WWF sued WCW over that. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, WWF would have, I think Bischoff would have been all over that if they would have tried that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Bischoff wasn't in power at this point, but. That's right. Yeah, it was somebody, it was, I forget who it was. Uh, they probably wouldn't even have known then. They probably could have showed the WCW title on TV and they would have. It, it was, uh, it was a turn, it was a Turner, uh, Turner <laughs> it was a Turner suit, which. Which is the reason that um, they were able to get out because he he kept his word and he, he let him loose. Uh, but yeah, so Road Dog had words with uh, with the radicals. Uh, they interfere and beat the hell out of the New Age Outlaws. And, and, I, well, and I just I, go ahead. I just noticed how um, like uh, they were. Uh, this was like during a very kayfabe uh, breaking time to talking about gimmicks and uh, all this stuff. Um, cause Al Snow was talking about how we needed a gimmick and stuff like that. Um, they were definitely going into that phase. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it was his, uh, one of his two primary, uh, moves, but it, I, it, it's, it, it's make, it makes me sad that Benoit debuted with his flying headbutt. <laughs> yeah. Which of course, you know, uh, the way his life ended, um, that was really not a good finishing move for him to have. No. And hopefully, hopefully nobody ever, ever has that as their signature move again. Yeah, I remember uh, Daniel Bryan was doing it for a while, yeah. which I thought was not good. But uh, yeah, the uh, Radicals showing up, um, they pretty much left uh, WCW the night after that uh, pay-per-view, um, after Chris Benoit won the title. Uh, you could tell watching the pay-per-view that something was off, like uh, Dean Malenko intentionally slid out of the ring in his match with Billy Kidman. Um, cause Billy Kidman that night was going up against, um, the revolution, which was basically the radicals with Shane Douglas. And he ended up, uh, what was it? A, uh, catch his catch can match. And the rules were you couldn't go out of the ring or you'd be disqualified. And Dean Malenko just slid out of the ring, like within like three or four minutes. Well, I mean, and, they, uh, they, could, they all wanted out at yeah. that point. And which amazes me that they still had, they still let, um, Benoit go over. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if they were trying to keep him. They, they were. Yeah, but it was probably not a good idea because then there you go. Your WCW champion's gone. But um, I never under like uh, Shane Douglas had told me um, I actually got to talk to him about this. I don't think I'm breaking any trust or anything. He's talked about I think he's talked about this on shoot videos before. But uh, what happened was all their contracts were up and Shane Douglas was also um, kind of talking to WWF, but he was talking to WWF because he didn't want to go back there. He, he wanted just to get leverage so he could get more money in WCW. And, um, so he asked all those guys not to do anything until he got his contract just to help him out, you know? Um, cause once, once they went over and didn't take him, his leverage was gone. And, um, he said that, uh, Dean link, he talked to Dean Malenko about it and Dean Malenko even, um, uh, swore in his kid's life that they wouldn't do anything. But, uh, then, um, Shane was telling me that they were, they were just gone one weekend, all of them. And he, he was wondering if they went to the WWF, uh, to meet with them. And he, so he called into the hotel where all the wrestlers stay and he asked for all the names. And, um, then they, uh, of course didn't, they weren't staying there, but then he thought to himself to ask for uh D Malenko's real name. So he ended up asking for that name and it turned out they were there and, uh, meeting with the WWF and it kind of took, uh, Shane Douglas's, uh, bargaining chip away from him. So he couldn't, couldn't use his leverage for his WCW contract. 
So he was, uh, of course, obviously pretty salty about that. And uh, he said that he just said it just really hurt him that Dean Dean could look in his eyes like that and just straight up lie to him. Now, of course, this is all coming from that's all coming from Shane. So who Shane, knows, who so it's not. Yeah, but uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, an interesting story that he ended up telling me, and he's he's told it on shoot interviews before. So, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Shane Douglas wasn't probably going to go back to the WWF. Oh no, he would at he any would, point. He wouldn't. Uh, and it's interesting, depending on like how much Vince liked you, he would apparently go out of his way to help you out in that respect. So there's apparently one point where Hulk was talking about going to the WWF. But Vince knew that he, he had no interest, but Vince still flew out to see him and t- asked him what offer he wanted to make, him to make uh, so that he could um, tell WCW, tell Turner, so that Turner would top it. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of interesting how the guys do that. Yeah. Take that leverage. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it turns out that uh, in storyline, Mick Foley had invited the Radicals to come to the WWF. And in backstage, I really thought it was awesome when Mick said, uh, what was it like to look out in the crowd and see people in the audience? <laughs> and then he said, we don't give tickets away. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it was uh, big shots going out against WCW. Yeah. And WCW was already pretty beat up by this point. Yeah. I think those guys leaving really uh, probably was the final nail in the coffin for WCW. Yeah. I mean, they had a few good good shows after that but which is kind of funny because it's not like those guys uh they were really trying to make those guys featured too at that point so i'm not sure what um i'd like to know the real story on why they were so unhappy there i think it did have something to do with like chris benoit and uh um kevin sullivan but it seemed like everybody was getting decent decent pushes at the time uh the fact that it was a horrible environment i would say is is the biggest deal everybody everybody who was there hated it everybody hated it Probably so, not Kevin Nash. No, I heard Kevin Nash hated it. Oh, wow. He's yeah. making tons of money. Yeah, apparently at some point, I don't remember when it was, but uh, Sean Waltman had a um, made a promo saying that basically if they wouldn't be sued or whatever, uh, if they weren't under contract, that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall would be back in the WWF with him, which is probably true. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to know the environment of that. That would be... Uh interesting i'll probably have to read that book you're talking about apparently everybody apparently everybody who was there hated it every single person except for maybe kevin sullivan (laughs) uh but yeah so uh yeah mick invited them so that was pretty cool uh gosh what happened next uh a a promo from kurt Kurt angle Angle promo a kurt angle promo and he he was in his hometown uh this was what pittsburgh yep and uh, he went out and uh this he was good in his promo and this was not just a few months after he actually debuted which seems it's, weird to me, but it, it, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's damn true. Um, yeah, Kurt Angle. I liked uh, Kurt Angle better during this period. Um, I like. Uh, I didn't really start liking him when he shaved his head and started taking himself too serious. I liked uh, like the kind of dorky uh, three eyes and drinking the milk. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just too bad that he uh, he's stayed in TNA so long because I think he's missed out on. A ton of WWF opportunity. Or yeah. WWE. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's even said he, he spent most of his career in TNA and he he's had more better matches in TNA. But people say, hey, uh, are you still wrestling? You, you, have you wrestled? Hey, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wish you still wrestled. I loved you in the WWF. And it's, <laughs> it's nobody 
nobody watches TNA. Nobody. Yeah. I don't know anybody. Nobody. I don't know anybody who will admit to watching TNA. <laughs> Not too many people. But uh, maybe things will change for them because didn't uh, Dixie Carter just get outed as uh, no? She's chairman? like she's. I thought she actually. I thought she has a new title, which is chairman or whatever. She has like she has like five percent ownership of the company or something. But uh, her title is still like chairman, and apparently Jeff Jarrett's back. Oh well, there you go. They want to hire me. I'm I'm available. Maybe I don't think they've sunk that low though. You probably, you probably, yeah. have, to, you probably have to take a pay cut. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so uh, yeah. hey, so I, in, in the revised version, I just want to mention this of uh, the death of WCW. They they talk about all of the um, uh, lessons that TNA did not learn from WCW and its death throes, and they talk about how little some of the people actually made. Apparently, the women's champion for TNA made so little money she had to have a second job at Sunglass Hut to make ends meet and pay for insurance. And a, a fan recognized her in Sunglass Hut, and she was so angry and embarrassed that she quit TNA, <laughs> and she stayed at Sunglass Hut. <laughs> Man, that's awful. That's bad. Well, there's no excuse if you're on national television. There's just no excuse you should be making that less. Yeah. Because uh, I know uh, I trained with uh, Madison Rain. Um, she started around the same area I did. And uh, I know she uh, she th- she was uh, didn't think her job was real secure there for a little bit. But um, she said she enjoyed her time in TNA, which it had to have been great. Uh, but I don't think it was the money opportunity that it should have been. Yeah, probably not. Unfortunately, they just have a lot of bad deals going on. Uh, well, Did you ever buy any of their uh, TNA figures? No. Hell no. Of course I not. Didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, my notes don't say what happened next. Oh, um, I think uh, they were showing some weird uh, Super Bowl commercials all night, too. That were really odd. Uh, I vaguely remember them. Oh, they were they leading up to the announcement of the XFL? Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I got pretty excited because it said that they were having a they were going to have a big announcement that involved football and the WWE. I was like, oh, that's got to be the XFL. Yeah. Vince uh, might have lost a little bit of money on that deal. Uh, just a bit. I think uh, I remember uh, Crash Holly had a bunch of X- XFL t-shirts that he always wore. Um, so I think he uh, I think they were just giving them out probably towards the end. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but the uh, baby commercial was uh, pretty funny, though, with all the different uh, babies dressed as wrestlers. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that uh, those those uh, packages, those commercials and those I, that was really fun. It's just something you don't. Uh, they uh, WWF does. WWE just doesn't do anymore. Yeah. How long has WWF been WWE? Uh, thirteen, fourteen years, something like that. I still have trouble calling it WWE. Yeah, me too. That. <laughs> but um, then they had a little uh, backstage deal with uh, Triple H. Um, it was like the Road Dog and X Pac and Triple H. And uh, man, I could not stand Triple H during this time. Uh, yeah. This during this um transition. Yeah. And then uh, Big Show came in for uh, during the promo, and he looked absolutely ridiculous. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah, he did. With his uh, haircut, and he had like a little, uh, I mean, Triple H called him Gomez Adams, and that was pretty pretty on the nose. But um, I think Triple H, he caused so many missed opportunities in WWF. He absolutely did. Um, there could have been a lot of big stars made, but I think they were held down by him. Just a hair. And uh, I think they're really suffering for it now. But because uh, really, I, I've always said that um, I don't think WWF has or WWE has really created any stars 
besides Brock Lesnar and John Cena since 2000. Like any long-lasting stars. Uh, I know that's not a real popular opinion, but... I, I mean, people... Long-lasting is the thing. I mean, yeah. Daniel Bryan, during his peak, was incredibly popular. But they... It was late in his... It was at the end of his career. Yeah. Um. Gosh, Kurt Angle. Again, he left. Uh. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm talking about, like, mega stars, you know, like rock austin level and I, w- I would consider john cena and brock lesnar probably up there not with those not, guys. not no not rock or austin maybe yeah well i'm talking about like the overall not specifically because i don't think anybody will be as big as rock and austin ever again but it's just weird uh just thinking about it like how many of the wrestlers were just so popular before this and now you have like maybe like three or four wrestlers that are popular on a show and the rest nobody really cares about yeah yeah that's true uh let's see what happened next uh then we were going on to a christian against devon dudley why what was the reason for that <laughs> match i think uh the dudley's put edge through a table um and broke his i think this was when edge broke his teeth i don't remember that head. i don't remember that happening yeah it was like they uh they power bombed edge on christian through a table and like christian's foot hit edge in the mouth and it just like broke the whole front of his teeth out oh damn and that Pro, that that can't feel good that's got to be pretty absolutely pretty absolutely uh, <laughs> i did like during this match though that jr said uh damn dudley's 75 times bro. yeah 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 he did <laughs> they're definitely trying to get that over was this before or after the vignette when bradshaw and farouk are talking or pardon me ron simmons or did he get by farouk at this point uh yeah he was still farouk okay um did did we was this before or after the 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 vignette where they're talking about creating the acolyte protection agency I think this was before. Okay. Because I, I didn't realize that that was in this this episode. That's pretty huge. Yeah. Now, the uh, APA, that's definitely one of my favorites. Oh, I yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, who won the match between Christian and Devon? Christian? Uh, actually, I don't have it written down. I think it was a disqualification. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 it was not memorable. I watched this pretty intently uh, earlier this week, and I don't remember a thing about this match. Yeah, a lot of these guys, I just, uh, during this era, I just don't care about. Um, I, hate I don't to, really I hate, care I, about I Christian. To, I hate to put it that way, but I don't really much either. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, they're talented athletes. It's just like, they're, they're not my thing. Yeah. I, I like Christian. I think he's a, I think he's a talent. I just, I think that he was squandered uh, when he was uh, healthy. And uh, he's one of those guys they probably could have done more with, but they didn't. Um, I, I noticed like the energy isn't as high, um, as it was during the, uh, the other attitude era show we watched. It was more in the middle of the attitude era. Um, cause this is considered attitude era, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I always wonder when the attitude era ended. I think it's debatable, but I always kind of thought around, around this time is when it ended. It seemed like to me, like everything was kind of winding down from the peak popularity that it was. But uh, it just didn't seem like the same type of energy for the show. Then um, our next match here was a uh, Big Show versus Two Cool match. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I forgot about that. The handicap match. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I don't know why Big Show got his hair cut like that and his facial hair. I don't know if it was for the people to make fun of him. But Big Show is just, man, he should be so much more than what he is. Uh, he's just so scary and so huge, but they've just, they, he's went from a joke to a serious, to joke, serious face, heel, face, heel. Like I, he's got to have the record for heel turns. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 
It's like nobody even cares about his when he turns anymore just because he's done it so much. And then they always have him like crying. And, they, and I saw one where they had him dressed up like the New Year's baby. He was in a diaper with a bottle. I was like, what are you doing? You had one of the most intimidating, scariest athletes you could ever have. And then you do that with him. But I think his career squandered his debut night, actually, when he lost to Austin in his first match. I think that just right there just killed him. And he was never he was never going to be what he should have been at that point. Yeah. But, it, I He just happened to pop up in the at the transition from the big, big guy to the I hate to say average size guy, but average size guy as the wrestler. And now we're even at the point to where a lot of the top wrestlers are t- are, are tiny who who look like kids compared to uh, <laughs> yeah. like and like an adult grown man. Uh, I point you to the young bucks <laughs> who look like high school kids. Yeah, that they're uh, they're just tiny little skinny little rail guys. Yeah, maybe that's why they have to throw twenty super kicks instead of just one good one. Yeah. Pretty much. They got little they got little tiny legs. Little tiny legs. Like little little deers. Little deer. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. Of course Big Show won with a double choke slam. Yeah. Or no, a choke slam and a power bomb. Yeah. Uh this show had a lot more fluff than I remember. Uh yeah, but it didn't have it didn't have uh that uh Sean Stasiak section or thing. <laughs> the other the, the, what was that? What was that called? Oh, uh PMS meat. Yeah, meat. It didn't have beaver cleavage or any of that. Oh crap. yeah, beaver cleavage. It, it did have the snow bunny match. Well, which I admit <laughs> was it, it, honestly the snow bunny match was in a way worse because um was that next? Am I jumping ahead? Am I jumping too far ahead? Well, a little bit. Uh, we have uh, Angle versus The Rock. We'll, we'll come back to that uh, because that's worth talking about. But um, in the match with uh, the Snow Bunny match, it ended up being who was it that was dressed as a woman? Harvey Whippleman. Harvey Whippleman. Hervina. Her yeah, he was dressed as a woman and won the match. He was from Intercourse, Pennsylvania, which is a real place. Yep, apparently uh, that's where Diecast is from. I think, isn't it? Uh, no, I don't think he's made it that far yet. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's still a little south of that. Uh, I'm kidding, Diecast. <laughs> he's married. He, he's uh, in uh, butt whooping West for, uh, Pennsylvania. Bust butt whooping Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, <laughs> that that was like, he, and he won the women's championship. Yeah, uh, in a match that featured uh, the cat and um, who was Jerry, Law- who was Jerry this- Lawler's girlfriend at the time. Yeah, that's who he quit over. And uh, there was Barbara Bush, which. Even with my wrestling knowledge, I vaguely remember her. Um, you had uh, Fabulous Mula, Luna Vachon, Jackie, and a pregnant Mae Young. Very pregnant. Oh, my God. And Oh, God. Let's not, let's not talk about that. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we skipped over The Rock and uh, Kurt Angle, which would have been like a year or two later, which would have been like a huge main event for, for a pay-per-view. And oh, it's just, yeah. And it's just on Raw. Just give it away for free. Well, I mean, of course, Kurt Angle wasn't Kurt Angle yet. And The Rock, while he was The Rock, he still wasn't The Rock that he that he would be. He's The Rock is the only person on that show who gets more popular every year. Yeah, he just keeps getting more and more and more. And of course, his wrestling career is effectively over. He may wrestle another match. He may not. But of course, he's I guess the most popular, the biggest star in Hollywood. Which he's is, still got like it's it. I remember when he came back for that one WrestleMania when he'd been gone for so long. It was just amazing the the crowd with him. Yeah, 
It was just like, he'd never left. He's mm-hmm. just right back into his old thing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just a talent that comes once in 50 lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. And we happen to have him and Austin at the same time. Very, very odd that two of those stars came along right at that time. Two like mega, mega stars. But, uh, I thought this was a pretty good match between angle and rock. Um, I forgot. Uh, actually, they were selling Angle uh, as still undefeated, even though he lost to Taz at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, but it was a chokeout, so it didn't count. But uh, The Rock took care of that with a, a people's elbow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I forgot that The Rock used the people's elbow as a finish. But it's still. I think the people's elbow is actually more of a legitimate finish than the worm. The oh uh, yeah, everything is <laughs> a more legitimate. You drive your elbow into the a guy's sternum. That probably probably take the wind out of you um but then we had the start of the apa which we already touched on um with the mean street posse wanting protection Mm -hmm. because they got beat up by the radicals earlier and uh that's where bradshaw had the idea of uh getting money for protection and of course love the apa um i always like it when they come back because they'll uh come back make an appearance every once in a while Mm -hmm. um then we went to one of my least uh favorite matches of two possible people which is x-pac and jericho uh, not a fan of either one of them. Really? Jericho is one of the greatest of all time. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, he's one of the greatest of all time. Well, you, you don't think Demolition is one of the greatest of all time. So. Jericho is greater than Demolition. Don't you say that. You'll be on my diecast list about the fight. Jericho is one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> um, I liked him in WCW, but I just did not like him in WWF at all. I don't know what it was, uh, but I really enjoyed him in WCW. Which is weird because he got a lot. He got a lot more uh, breathing room in WWF, but I just didn't like him. Um, just something about him. Which that you know, that's a lot of times that's his job. So maybe he's just doing a really good job. Of me not liking him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> of course, uh, X Pac came out with Tori, which I completely forgot about her. I forgot she existed. <laughs> then I thought about. It, I was like, oh yeah, that she was on No Mercy, the video game. And uh, Jericho came out with China for some reason. I don't remember why or yeah. what was going on about that. Um, of course, China, unfortunately, had a pretty messy end. Um, Xbox is doing really good, though. Yeah. He now. seems to be coming along. Yeah. Because uh, the way he talked about it, he was bad off. Um, he was he had some pretty bad problems. But we're all glad to see that he's doing well. Uh, actually, the funny thing is, is I didn't like Xbox then, but I do like Xbox now. Um, I like him back then. I like him now too. Uh, he just seems like he's a really cool guy. And I think at the time watching it, I just didn't like him, but, um, he was one of the guys that we were talking about bringing in for one of our shows and I suggested him, but, uh, we ended up going with the Brutus beefcake, but we probably should have went with X-Pac, I think. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, this is an all right match. Um, not much to say about it. Like really, this was during a time when the match, like, especially on like raw, uh, there's not, really not a lot to say about the matches. I think they were still holding the matches back for the pay-per-views, like the big, big good matches. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, why give away the crap? Yeah. And now they give away everything. So I remember, oh man, just, uh, cause I quit watching, uh, I haven't really watched much current WWF in a long time, but when I started to, I watched it a couple years ago and it was like, I watched it for like three or four weeks in a row and it was like Wade Barrett and Dolph Ziggler had the same match every week. Yeah. And it was just, <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll give it another five or six years before I start watching again. But, um, well, but I, I, yeah, that this match wasn't really nothing to talk about. So one thing I found interesting in, in this was the fact that, um, with the radicals debuting, 
Stephanie and Triple H were still almost kind of like a de facto authority figure behind the scenes. Um, Stephanie, of course, was still, you know, the daughter of Vince. And H being her, were they married at this point or dating? I think they were probably married at this point. Uh, I don't know. I I think they were married uh, storyline wise, but because China was still there. Oh, good point. And I think she was gone shortly after they actually got like actually together together. Um, but yeah, but they were almost like a de facto, uh, Triple H being, cause Triple H was the champion at this point, right? He was. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he, he it was. was, they, they were playing off like a, almost a de facto authority figure, which makes me sad that they've basically been doing the same storyline now for 20 Ugh. years. Yeah. Y'all, the, the authority storyline is one of the worst storylines ever. Like it was cool with Vince and Austin. But they keep trying to recreate it, and you're not going to recreate Vince and Austin. No, and people What's, want to. Oh, my God. Dixie Carter. And it sucks because it's like every indie show now, too, they want to have like some sort of authority figure. It's like, I don't know who you are. Why are you doing Why are you out here talking? <laughs> yeah. And uh, like I like Jack Tunney, the authority figure, because he'd come out, what, three times a year maybe? If that. You know, make, a little, make a little announcement, go back and collect his money. You know, that's. But now that they, it's just like everybody, there's always got to be an evil owner or an evil commissioner. And it's just, oh, it's so blase. Um, luckily, we don't do that in the one of the most of the companies I work for now. I think they've gotten away from that. But still, so many other ones, it's just like, oh, we don't need this. You know, just what did we do before the McMahon-Austin era? Look at that and do that. Yeah. I mean, they had authority figures. That just wasn't the thing running the ship. That wasn't the storyline that ran the business. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that definitely they've overplayed that. What, so what was left in the show? Uh, well, then they had the uh, the awful uh, Snow Bunny match. Yeah, we talked about that. That was terrible. Yeah. Which actually, I think Harvey Whippen was the last women's champion for a long time after this. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, then we had Crash and Bob versus Viscera. Oh, gosh. Viscera, King Mabel. That's right. And he is massive. He is. I sat next to him on a uh, a bench one time. Mm-hmm. He took up the whole bench with his one one butt. Um, I barely had any room. How long has he been? He's gone, right? He died, didn't he? Yeah. He, I think he died like two or three years ago. Oh, I thought it was longer than that. I don't think it's been that long. No, but... no. It, it was 2014. I thought it was like 2010. Seven. Yeah, he was in uh, WWF just recently, like right before that, as uh, Big Daddy V. Big Daddy V. But uh, this match has some significance to it because, uh, of course, it features Crash Holly, and he was one of my trainers mm-hmm. down in Salisbury, North Carolina, around your neck of the woods. Salisbury, yeah, that's um, very close to here. Uh, Crash Holly was uh, very intense. No, not surprised. <laughs> he was, uh, when I, I moved into the... Uh, when I moved into the school, like I moved down from, of course, Ohio to North Carolina and I stayed in, it was an old trucking facility that he had bought and it had like a building with a ring in it. And then he had like all these office buildings. Well, for a little extra, I could live in the office buildings. So I, uh, I moved in there and I had like a, uh, I just had an empty room. Uh, you had to turn the lights on through circuit breakers. So it was really scary too. And I'm pretty sure it was haunted because I heard whispering and stuff. Pretty sure it was haunted. (laughs) And uh, when I first moved in, Crash, there was a circuit breaker box, and he was like, hey, I'll give you some labels, and um, you can uh, go around and uh, check these circuit breakers and label them all for me. I was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, So about three or four weeks go by, and um, the practices were really intense. I lost a lot of weight down there. 
Um, I passed out five or six times. Um, it was, it was pretty intense, but, uh, after we got done running, we'd start to, sh- uh, we'd start practice by running, uh, back and forth the trucking facility, mm-hmm. which equal to about three miles. So we'd have to run that. And, um, he called us in the, uh, in the building and then he, he was staying in the middle of the ring. He was like, Hey Joey, get up here for a second. I'm like, okay. So I get up in the ring and of course I'm probably five inches taller than him. Yeah. Cause he was, he was a pretty short little guy. And, uh, he's, he's, he's like, you know, Joey, when somebody asks you to do something, why don't you F and do it? And of course I'm bleeping this out for us. And, uh, he's yelling in my face. Okay. Uh, just in, like I could smell his breath and, uh, just yelling about how I thought I was too good to mark the circuit breaker boxes. And I was like, well, well, Mike, uh, you told me to, you, you were going to give me, you were going to give me labels. And uh, he's almost got me crying. Cause he was just yelling right in my face. And this is probably one of my favorite wrestlers too, at the time. So I'm getting berated horribly. And, um, he was like, you think you're too good. You think you're going to be in this business. You think you're too good. And he, uh, started, uh, so he then made me go outside and run an additional three miles. Oh my God. How much did you weigh and, at this point? Uh, probably about two seventy. Okay. So I was a lot, lot lighter, but, uh, and then, um, on the final part of it, he made, he was, he told one of the other students, he's like, Hey, come over here, get on his back. He made one of the other students that weighed about 230 pounds, get on my back. And I had to run. And the whole time I was running, he was running beside me yelling, you better not F and drop him. You better not F and drop him. You drop him. I'm going to F and kill you. And, uh, so then when I finally finished, I just collapsed and he threw a water bottle at me. He was like, get back up and we'll meet you inside. And then he just went in. What a jerk. And I, uh, I labeled those, uh, circuit breakers Yeah. that night. It was uh, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that was just a test because, uh, after that, um, after I think I survived, he seemed like he started to respect me a little bit more because at first he didn't seem like he did. But, um, then I actually, like, I would always try to sprint the last part of the run on the mile and, um, I think he started respecting me after that. So, but then he, it closed down shortly after, and then he, he died shortly after. So crash. I didn't, I forgot that that happened. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, it was, uh, ruled a suicide, but, um, unfortunately after he got released from WWF and everything, I think it was, uh, something to do with his family and everything. It was, uh, cause I still, I stayed in touch with him a little bit after that. So he was, a. He it's he was kind of a I guess that does sound like he was kind of a jerk, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, he was a good jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Next match was uh, Bubba Ray Dudley and Matt Hardy, and uh, Bubba Ray defeated Matt Hardy. And then the uh, APA came out. Yes, and there was some nasty uh, uh, pre-concussion worry chair shots in this match. That was before they really uh, banned all the head shots and stuff. And uh, I'd forgotten that Bubba had a some sort of table fetish because hmm. <laughs> every time he broke a table, he kind of looked a little euphoric. That's awesome. But not yeah, much to talk about in this match not, either. Not really. Not really. And the main event was Triple H versus Kane. And I mean, it ended. I mean, there wasn't a, there wasn't a finish to it. I mean, I don't even know what there is to say about that match. I don't even remember the point of it. Yeah. Kane didn't even come out. Um, it was a. Uh, it was a great long Triple H promo. That's one of the greatest things of the 2000s was Triple H's long promos. But what I mean, so but why why were they having the match? What was the setup for it? Or why were they supposed to have the match? 
Uh, I think it was just going to be a title match. Was this after Katie Vick? Uh, I think so. I think it might have been around that same time. And um, something had happened to Kane the night before. I don't think they said what happened, but he just didn't show up. And that's when uh, Mick Foley came out because he was mad that Triple H, because we forgot to mention how Triple H was told the radicals that they weren't WWF material. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Uh, Katie Vick was after this. He was after this. Wow. Yeah. It was like, that was back in 2002. I had to look that up. Vince Russo didn't do Katie Vick. Nope. You know, that's insane. You can't pin everything on Vince Russo. <laughs> that sounds like a Vince Russo idea. Well, there's no excuse for that whatsoever. Yeah. Good old Katie Vick. You know, Katie Vick's, uh, they talk about Katie Vick in Kane's book. I, I'm not surprised. It's the one of the worst things to ever happen in professional wrestling. Well, they put out a Kane book that was like kayfabe. Uh-huh. And it had, uh, like, it talked about how when Katie Vick died that night. There was, like a, was, a, there was, was a, a there was a book written in kayfabe. <laughs> yeah, it was like a novel, The History of Kane. <laughs> <laughs> and it talked about like Katie Vick and how his, his parents were burned or he was burned and his uh, parents died in a fire and everything. And Paul Bear was his mother or mother. father, father. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, it's uh, it's you should read that sometime <clears throat> on the whole, though. This this whole show is OK. It, I remember it being awesome. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not awesome. Um, it just really reminds me, I think I said it on Twitter, that I can't believe at any point that I really liked the Attitude Era. I, I guess it was just the time. Yeah, I think I think I, when you were there, you liked it, but in hindsight, it wasn't that great. No. I think we're caught up in the personalities more so than the actual than the actual wrestling and the pr- actual presentation. Yeah, because the uh, actual wrestling and the storylines were awful. Uh, they were just, none of them were really any good. Yeah. Besides, like. Of course, like the rock and Austin stuff. Yeah. I think really the attitude era was Austin rock. Yeah. Pretty much. You could have interchanged anybody else and it would have been, it would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, so next week we're going to talk about, we're talking about Austin and the rock who are the two biggest icons of this period. We're going to talk about the two biggest icons of the period before, which are Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. But we're going to talk about Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan in the WWF people assume that they didn't wrestle each other while in the and the wwf but they did but not as far as i can remember not televised no but, uh, nope i never met on television but we are going to talk about uh, two shows from on the network wwe old school uh november 30th 1991 and december 29th 1991 so less than a month apart uh both uh matches feature rick flair versus hulk hogan and i've never watched this so this will be interesting for me yeah, well, because uh, um, these matches didn't go over real well for some reason. Yeah, I mean, with, I, I don't, know, live events. Yeah, and I don't think uh, Vince thought that that was a money program at this point. So and this would have been the perfect time for the program. They were both still in their prime. Uh, I mean, it would, uh, <laughs> prime is. I mean, uh, Rick was well his, relative. Prime. Rick was in his forties at this point. <laughs> Rick Flair just deadlifted like four hundred pounds. He did. I mean, I, he, he Rick is a beast. <laughs> Rick Rick was still the best wrestler pretty much at this point, even though he was in his 40s, but I wouldn't say he's in his prime. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. That uh, probably would have been around like 82 or 83. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this will be fun to watch. Can't wait to, uh, to see it. Looking forward to it. You uh, double for your money, too. Two episodes on one podcast. That's true. That's true. Uh, you can find our show at uh, tfradio.net slash take four. You can also find it on iTunes. So go to iTunes and subscribe to take for wrestling and while you're there 
please, 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 please leave a review. Five stars, please. We would love you. That would help other people find the show. I cannot overemphasize how important it is for you to leave us a review. It's literally the most important thing you can do to help us out. But if you want to help us out uh, monetarily, uh, you can do your Amazon shopping through our website at tfradio.net slash Amazon. Amazon will uh, send us a little bit of the purchase price back. Won't cost you a cent more, but uh, we'll get a little bit of the funds for referring you, and uh, it helps us keep the lights on. It's how we pay for the show and everything, and it ain't cheap. You you think it's cheap. You think it's just a microphone and, you know, a, a blogger account or something you just uploaded. No, there's, it costs money. Yeah, so, my time's expensive. You think is. I do this for free? Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, tfradio.net slash Amazon. You can find me on Twitter at bkilby and on Instagram at Brian Kilby. You can find all of our shows on Twitter at tfradio and on Facebook at facebook.com slash tfradio. Also, you can find our Instagram, uh, pardon me, our Twitter account for Take 4 Wrestling. It is at Take 4 Wrestling. It's Take, the number four wrestling on Twitter, and we would appreciate a follow. Uh, JT, how do we get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at tfradio.net slash hogg, and also on Twitter at jt underscore hogg. And uh, that tfradio.net slash hogg is just a shortcut to your Facebook account, which has a much longer URL. Uh, yes. So you can uh, follow what JT does. I the- barely remember the short one. Yeah. <laughs> um, me too sometimes. But you can follow what JT does on the Facebooks, and we loves the Facebooks. That's right. You can find out everything you want about a person on Facebook. Pretty much. So, JT, anything uh, else you want to get out before we go? Nope, I'm good this week. I appreciate everybody listening. Awesome. Well, we will catch you later next week on Take for Wrestling. Boom!